Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Exurgat Deus disipentur inimici eius et fugiancio deruntaeu ma facia eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. Queen Elizabeth the second Queen of England and the British Commonwealth passed away today today on the face on the feast of Saint Mary Minor I don't know for sure, and we won't know until the general judgment, if her death, seemingly peaceful, surrounded by family today, is symbolic or emblematic of where she might end up in the afterlife. And I pray, I truly pray, that we see her in heaven. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defendenos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias, diaboli est opraecidium. Imperetti lideus supplicas deprecamur, duque princeps militae calestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum trude. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena dominus tecum. Benedicta tua mulieribus e benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nuncet et hora mortis nostrae. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimum miserere nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolus et Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facium tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.
Requiem eternum donaeis domine lux perpetua luciat. Requiescat in pace. Amen. <clears throat> so as I said, um, Her Royal Highness Queen Elizabeth II has passed away today on the Feast of St. Mary Minor, on the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. I hope, truly hope, that that's the sort of symbolism that one would expect, that the Queen of England would pass away on the Feast of the Nativity of the Queen of Heaven. And I hope that there's some correlation there with the, with the uh, final destination of Her Royal Majesty's soul. <clears throat> so I've said on many... Uh, on many occasions that I'm a Carlist, I'm a monarchist, um, that monarchy is the better, the better path than democracy or even a republic. Or I should say, if it's going to be, a, if, if it's going to be a republic, then it really ought to be a republic of monarchies. And the reason for that is kind of obvious. He who would be greatest among you would serve the least of you. You know, it's, it's tied in with Christ's teaching uh, to St. Peter and the apostles um, in, the, in, in the lead up to the way of the cross. And it was stamped, signed, sealed, delivered with the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Notwithstanding that, I've also made mention of the fact that I would prefer a return to the time of the judges. Simply because it's closer to what I think God actually had in mind. But if we're going to have large-scale government, um, you know, where <clears throat> communities and nations are brought together, then it really should be under a monarchy. The I had a whole uh, podcast actually planned to talk about, <clears throat> you know, the reasonable expectations because I got into a discussion on Twitter um, with the uh, with the account Monarchists of America, um, and I don't believe that Americans are really practically thinking, like thinking in a practical manner about what it would take to establish a monarchy um, in this ill-fated republic. And I think I'll probably actually talk a little bit about that. It led, I'm fairly certain it's going to weave its way into this podcast um, since uh, for those of you who don't know, I don't script out most of the podcast. It's very rare that I have anything pre-written down. Most of it's going to be stream of conscience. And given the fact that this topic is first and foremost in my mind, I'm probably going to end up exploring this one as deeply as I can here uh, in this episode. The, But I do want to first begin with what appears to be the ill fate 
of not just the British Empire, but the British monarchy. For those of you who don't know, King Charles, third of his name, is a member, is a participating member at Davos in the World Economic Forum, which is going to be somewhat of a conflict for him because as king, his first obligation is to is to his subjects, to the people of England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and then extended beyond that out to the Commonwealth, so India, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and all of the other places that Great Britain has, has taken responsibility of over the ages. From there. So like first first to the kingdom to the United Kingdom and then from there to the British out to the British Commonwealth and then beyond that obviously to the world. But it should be in that order. And that does not seem to be the priority of either the king or his government. <clears throat> He's also the head of the Anglican Church, um, which, while which while obviously uh, schismatic and heretical, is still ostensibly a Christian church, and that's also troublesome because he's supposed to be the defender of the faith, as it were. However, in his in a, in a recent address, he said defender of the faiths, plural. Now, of course, we know that the British monarchy has never really had, um, they certainly did not have the animus against the Freemasons the way the Catholic Church has in history. Um, in point of fact, actually, they're, you know, sort of the root of the problem. Because it was when King Henry VIII separated himself so he could satisfy his libido, a theme that <laughs> seems to be getting repeated again and again and again. And I wonder if maybe, if maybe eventually the population of the world at large will look and begin to realize that that is actually the recurrent theme Our Lady, in when she when she appeared in Fatima, to Sister to um, Sister Lucia and uh, Jacinta and Francisco, she mentioned that the final attack would be on marriage and the family. That the final attack would, of course, be on chastity, on continence, on the capacity for mankind to live a moral, sexual life. That would be the final attack. In truth, it was the first attack. Martin Luther took issue with his vows. King Henry took issue with his vows. And today, everyone takes issue with Catholic moral teaching who is not a faithful Orthodox Catholic. 
given the fact that uh, His Royal Highness uh, King Charles is a participant in the World Economic Forum and the Davos crowd. He's a major player in, uh, after a manner, in the United Nations and the globalist Malthusian agenda. One would assume he's not particularly um, ardent with his support for monogamy. Now, to be sure, this is not an accusation against him. Um, there's no, well, no, actually, I take that back. No, there is. It could be evidenced by the, uh, if I recall correctly, and I could be mistaken because admittedly, I'm not, a, I'm not a, as enthusiastic about what had been current events in my life um, have, regarding the British crown. But if I recall correctly, uh, the Queen Consort is the Queen Consort because she and Charles got together after the divorce between him and Princess Diana, if I recall. Honestly, I don't know. And the reason why I don't know is because I do know that Princess Diana did not survive for too very much longer. So I couldn't tell you, in all honesty. I don't know. If you know and, <clears throat> and you'd like to set the record straight, you can email me at caleb at radiofreecatholic.com or you can go to radiofreecatholic.com and, and type it into the, uh, there's a contact page that you can that you can click on um, and send me an email through there. That'd be awesome because in all honesty, given the fact that I don't know and I don't recall, um, if you guys out there recall, I'm probably not going to remember to research it because there's always too much going on. Um, so if you recall, shoot me a message and let me know. <clears throat> it's, um, and, and part of the reason why I don't, and let, let me be clear, the part of the reason why I don't know is because of responsibilities of the royal family, given the fact that Diana did, um, <clears throat> is the mother of the crown prince, successor to Charles, um, and the royal family obviously did very much the right thing, uh, make it, making sure that the that princes princes Harry and uh, did I say Crown Prince Harry? Gracious, Crown Prince William. Gracious, I'm all discombobulated today. Um, <clears throat> but the Crown Prince, the Crown Prince William um, and his brother Harry, you know, they were still in the line of succession. Obviously, they're still in the, or I should say, well. William is still the crown prince, and so he's still in the line of succession. Um, and so it would appear that they did do very much the right thing. One thing I know for sure, and I want to pause and say some more about Queen Elizabeth. Um, Seventy years, 75 years, I think, she, she had just celebrated her Platinum Jubilee. Gracious. And in all that time, you could never, I don't think you could find anyone who could truly lodge a complaint, a truly justified complaint against her character and against her service. 
to, to her nation. A lot of people do know, and I would imagine several people don't know, but Queen Elizabeth II served in the Second World War. She served in the Second World War. She put on a uniform and she aided her country's resistance. Now, keep in mind, she, of course, was a queen. And so if I recall correctly, she was a nurse. Um, <clears throat> but she served in the Second World War. She saw her country go through the Second World War, watched as America went through its trials and tribulations in Korea and Vietnam, went through her own tribulations as the empire was picked apart and broken apart and, and um, softly auto-demolished. Because do keep in mind that, you know, India eventually became independent, Hong Kong eventually became independent, um, you know, and, and, various other, and various other places that are suffering tremendously now that they're no longer part of the British Empire. And she watched as all of those pieces were picked away from the British Empire and the Empire fell. Now it's the Commonwealth. And so you could make the case that there's a semblance of the Empire still left. But at all that time, you can't point to a speech or an action that would impugn her character in any way, shape, or form. There were many events that came to pass that you could tell she suffered through. You know, she suffered through the breakup of her, of her son's family. She suffered through the descent of the British economy as it was destroyed by the likes of George Soros in the 90s. You know, she suffered through, she suffered very greatly. But in all of that time, no one, there's no one who can point to something that she did that belied the tremendous class and high character of the queen. You can say, you know, you can point to, well, there's some mistakes she made and this, that, and the other. She condoned her country going into Iraq and all that. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that you can that you could try to throw out there. But the fact remains is that given, given the nature of the British monarchy as being the head of the Constitutional Republic, or, <clears throat> or I, I should say it's a constitutional monarchy, which means they have a parliamentary system, which means that the prime minister is actually the one who tends to the affairs. And the, and the fact is, is that the government does so with the permission of the queen, but the queen herself um, in her history, I don't believe has ever overridden the will of the quote unquote will of the people in her nation. But she has stood as a symbol of not just the British crown, but the British people. And I have no doubt to some, that to some degree or another, she suffered greatly as prime minister after prime minister denigrated her nation, denigrated her people by bringing in policies that were absolutely disastrous for her people. And I would like to think that to some degree that she lamented some of the, some of the decisions that were being made because a woman who 
a woman who lived and served in the second, who lived during the time of and served during the Second World War would certainly have the perspective to know that some of the things that her, that her nation was deciding to do was not good for it. And if you wanted to make the case that, you know, her enabling her people to destroy themselves is in and of itself something that could, you know, could be cast against her character, um, I will simply respectfully disagree because I don't see it like that. <clears throat> what concerns me is that King Charles is actually on board with many of the things that have been highly destructive to the British uh, to the British people. King Charles has actually actively supported the policies that are in place that are currently destroying the British economy. And that's eroding the fabric of British culture. Now, we, of course, would have our, you know, we take issue with Protestants being Catholics, given the fact that the, that the British, that the Protestant monarchs have caused so much damage to their subjects who were Catholic. The British people still look fondly on good Queen Bess, who slaughtered three times the number of Catholics as her predecessor, the one that they called Bloody Mary. They did everything they could to break the Scottish people. Why? Because the Scottish people are largely Catholic. They were Catholic in culture. And even when Scottish monarchs took the crown, if they were really only left unmolested if they were Protestant Scottish monarchs, despite the fact that Scotland itself was deeply and fervently Catholic. To say nothing of the difficulties that Ireland went through and is still going through today. Mostly because of today's abandonment of the Catholic faith by the very people who are princes of the church. The very men who should be guiding them back to Catholic moral teaching, the very men who should be guiding them back to Catholic dogma and doctrine have themselves abandoned the faith. And I must say that despite all of the accusations levied against King George by the Americans, during the American Revolution, the fact is, is the thing that really chapped the asses of the founding fathers of this supposedly great nation was the fact that when Canada absorbed French Quebec, the British monarch did not eradicate Catholicism from Canada, but rather in order to unify the in order to unify canada as one as as one great nation in the commonwealth decided to permit the quebecois to maintain their catholic faith 
They didn't explicitly say that we hate Catholics. They couldn't possibly explicitly say that we hate Catholics so much that we want to destroy them, which is why it is only euphemistically referred to in the Declaration of Independence. But it's the first or second item on the list. It was the thing that, it, it was the thing that irritated the founding fathers of this supposedly great nation so much as to break away was the fact that the king had the audacity to allow Catholics into the British Empire. And to be sure, there were other things that the crown was doing. It's not like the crown, it's not like the monarchs of other nations were, you know, afraid to do such things. And so there is a list of things where they're like, oh yeah, well you did this and that and the other. Okay, cool. Yeah, I got it. So the British court was more, the British court and the British parliament was more concerned with things going on in Britain itself than it was with the colonies. But to say that the colonies were being ill-run by a people who were perfectly capable of governing themselves, obviously, because we broke off and then proceeded to govern ourselves, many would say quite magnificently, myself included, in all honesty, despite, you know, the fact that these heretics did everything they could to eradicate Catholicism from the Western Hemisphere. And they did do everything that they could do to eradicate Catholicism from the Western Hemisphere. They would frame Spain for the sinking of the USS Maine. Convenient for them that it rhymed, it was actually to hell with Spain, remember the Maine. That was the mantra that started the Spanish-American War. They took full advantage of the opportunity to liberate the Louisiana, uh, the Louisiana Territory from the French because of course they were getting a good deal, but it did also present them with something else. An opportunity to Protestantize the nation. Lest we forget that part of the reason why so many Native American nations were considered quote-unquote noble savages was because they had already had the catechesis from French Jesuits and Spanish Franciscans hundreds of years before the United States would push its borders all the way to the western coast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
And the principal bone of contention between all of these peoples would be the sexual ethics. The sexual ethics of the Catholic Church were either too loose or too tight to be regarded as beneficial. Depending on, and it, the really odd thing about it is, is that it was both at once. <laughs> Pretty much the entire time of the Protestant Revolution. Talk about psychotic. And that would carry forward 17th, 18th, 19th centuries into the 20th century where the most deleterious actions would be the sexual revolutions of the 1920s and the 1960s. Although the revolution of the, the sexual revolution of the 1960s would low-key carry on for another 20 years. Until they would finally come to their fruition in the 1990s and early 2000s. It took them long enough, but they did succeed. First in Britain, and then here in America. Until here we are today. Now, the Western world, the Anglosphere, to be more specific, is a cesspool of deleterious and degenerate sexual ethics. Which is at the heart, it's at the core of everything that's going on in Davos. I didn't think I actually had a connection for this because I, I actually didn't think I was going to get an opportunity to mention um, the very recent video from Paul Joseph Watson, British reporter, <laughs> <coughs> who would out OnlyFans <coughs> the subscription-based low-key porn site, the most profitable website and so social media provider probably on earth with the destruction of the human family absolutely abominable 550 billion dollars generated during the 18 months of the lockdowns around the world why because we're locked down. There wasn't really a whole lot in the way of dating. And when you combine OnlyFans and Pornhub and all of and all of that other stuff that was allowed to run rampant, pushed by the schools, no less, on children as young as eight, if not younger. At the same time as the Me Too movement, and we're going to refer back to the Me because obviously most people don't think of the Me Too movement at all today. It's not it's not in any major news news these days because it's already been because its work is already done. The work of the Me Too movement was to make sure that things like 
the hover, the hovering hand pose that's, that uh, male celebrities use. I just saw a picture today of Ben Shapiro um, taking, a picture, taking a picture with one of his fans, a female fan. And he's pulling the Keanu Reeves widespread hovering hand where his hand is eight inches away, for, away from contact with, it, with this woman. Obviously, it's to protect himself on many levels. One, to protect, principally to protect himself from scandal because he is married. He does have children. He has a family. He, has, he does have a family. But secondarily, to protect, to protect his image so that on the off chance... This woman were to decide to turn around and levy an, ac- an accusation of sexual assault from one of the most toxic men in Western culture today. When you take that on the side of we too of, of me too, the trans exclusive radical feminist movement, and then you take Pornhub and OnlyFans. And all of the online sexual degeneracy, which basically turns men's brains into soup. And not just men, but women too. In fact, actually, it is, bi- it is the very... <laughs> you want to know one of the key differences between men and women? You can see it in the effect that pornography has on their psyche. For men, it makes them incapable of forming a healthy romantic, and I'm going to use romantic because it's actually the whole enchilada, everything that, everything that has to do with a, with a proper relationship that support, that should be promote, uh, you know, promoted between men and women, but their capacity to, their capacity to foment a, a properly healthy romantic relationship in every sense of the word is drastically hindered. The use, the rampant use of pornography actually inspires, <clears throat> inspires and causes, um, I'm going to have to put a language warning on the front of this or an explicit content warning at the front of this, <clears throat> but the use of pornography actually causes erectile dysfunction, which makes them incapable of the marital act. While simultaneously on women's sides, it inspires fear of an actual sexual, a physical sexual relationship with a man. So on the one side, it overfeeds the beast to where it's no longer functional in men, and then it terrifies women so that they're incapable of of an intimate romantic relationship. And it has nothing to do with fear on the men's side. Men, like, it's not that. It ends up actually with their utter humiliation because of their physical incapacity for the act, while simultaneously making women so ter- so neurotically terrified of the act that any that even a glance in their direction causes irrational responses of fear, which was fomented by the Me Too movement in the first place. Now, I saw it coming, 2010, 2011, 2012. I had about a year and a half of warning 
Because in all honesty, I saw it coming, but I did not take it seriously at all. 2011, 2012, the Me Too movement was picking up in the military, although it wasn't called the Me Too movement. Wouldn't be called the Me Too movement for another two years with the outing of Harvey Weinstein. And I noticed it in the Army's uh, sexual harassment and rape prevention program. Sexual harassment, abuse, and rape prevention program. That's the SHARP. It's their handy-dandy little acronym. And the videos that were designed to indoctrinate soldiers presented these absolutely outlandish situations where a casual where where a cl- casual romantic glance we're not talking about leering okay we're talking about mild flirting we're talking about exactly what you do if you want to foment any kind of relationship physical physical romantic or otherwise a platonic relationship categorized it as sexual harassment and assault They literally attacked every means available at the... Now, to be sure, we're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about these being good means of managing to attract a mate and a, par- and, and a partner and a spouse. Because we are, I mean, let's be real, we're talking about the 20th century. Our, our sexual degeneracy and our inability to, to uh, foment a healthy relationship had already been inculcated in us by, uh, over the course of the previous 30 years. But the program was designed to make flirting a crime. What do I mean? These videos would portray a man approaching a woman, saying, you look very nice today. And her saying, it made me feel very uncomfortable. I'm sorry, what? You look nice today. That is a beautiful dress. Now, they did have the cartoonishly over-the-top sort of lecherous portrayals. And they were cartoonish and over-the-top. In all honest, in all honesty, the actors that they had portraying them, which were all soldiers, i got to be honest with you, I got the impression they were actually probably not even attracted to members of the opposite sex. But to take compliments and turn that into sexual harassment. <sighs> and I should have taken it seriously because I looked at it and I was like, nobody's actually going to hold anybody to that standard. That's an impossible standard. We will never have children. You'll never have families. You'll never, there will never be, you, <clears throat> you eliminate dating and thereby eliminate marriage, and thereby eliminate children. <clears throat> and I didn't take it seriously. I didn't take it seriously until I was caught up in it. And I got to meet more than 250 other men caught up in it. Things that were patently ridiculous. 
that in a civilian court would have never counted as a crime, well, excuse me, in 2012 would have never counted as a crime, but by 2016, 2017, 2018, huh, all bets were off. They're still off. Those bets, by the way, are still off today. It has not gotten any better. However, the DOJ being at least somewhat honest, up until 2020 at least, released statistics that between 20 and 40% of all rape allegations are false, one in five to, to one in five to two out of five. It's actually 22 to 42, but you know, from one in five to two out of five. From one-fifth to two-fifth. One-fifth being in, in suburban and rural community, well, mostly rural communities. Closer to, closer to two-fifths once you get into urban communities. So cities like New York and Chicago. And you can make the argument, well, Caleb, you know, that's still between 60 and 80% that are true. Well, yes. There are still cases like the young woman who was kidnapped, raped, and murdered this last week. If I recall her name correctly, I believe her name was Eliza. She's a mother and teacher. But the very presence of 20 to 40% of false allegations doesn't exactly cast a positive light for the ones that are actually true. And the number of false allegations, at least through the court records that I was able to see, uh, through the court records that I was able to peruse when I was helping people um, when I was in the military, that number is actually closer to 80%. And I say closer to because 250 people, nearly every single one of them, anecdotally, I can't, it's not a very large sample size. It's also not, and, and given the fact that I was at the smaller of the two facilities, it's not a very large sample size indeed, sample size indeed. But I would be interested to find out of the 1,000 people who were incarcerated at the same time that I was, what the actual full percentage was across all 1,000 rather than the smaller sample size that I had of the 250. Now, to be sure, none were living a life of virtue in a Catholic sense. So I'm not being an apologist for bad behavior. But if somewhere around 80% were false allegations, erroneous allegations, things that were blown way out of the legal proportion, if the vast majority of them were that way, well, I'll say that a thousand people incarcerated is not nearly large enough of a sample size for those families to apply any kind of pressure whatsoever to try and push back on the system. 
It's a thousand men incarcerated. I think it actually topped. I think it tops out at only close to about maybe uh, five or ten thousand at most. Five or ten thousand men across a, across a nation of three hundred and eight, anywhere between three hundred eight and three hundred thirty six million. <clears throat> That's not a lot of people to say, hey, we really need to get justice for these families. But you can find you can find the Facebook page for the families of military service members who were wrongly accused, wrongly convicted and being wrongly treated. But they don't even ship them. If they were all from one town, it wouldn't be enough to move the meter even by 1%. And it was that realistic analysis that I looked at. I was like, oh, wow, this is just going to continue. There is nothing we can do. And truly, there's not. There's nothing we can do. Not for the service members who are falsely accused. Despite the fact that in the military, that number is significantly higher. Significantly higher. And keep in mind that military service members are far statistically far more inclined to plead guilty despite being not guilty. Or at least they were. I don't think that's going to be the case for too much longer. Certainly not with all the trans individuals now making their way into the military services. And that was the state of the world on the feast of St. Mary Minor, the year Her Royal Majesty, Queen Elizabeth II, passed. Do you honestly believe that King Charles, third of his name, is up to the task? Is up to the task to put that in any kind of right order? a cooperating member of Davos in the World Economic Forum, one of the many Malthusian actors around the world. Actors, obviously, not in a Hollywood sense. The king, who himself said, that he is a defender of the faiths, and not just the defender of the faith, <clears throat> who is fully on board with the Green New Deal climate agenda garbage that UK fires nonsense that you can find at UK fires that's uh, ukfires.org, all one word. And download the PDF, and you can see exactly what it is that he's on board with. And when you read, and when you read what he's on board with, and you'll find that it basically is the total destruction of the human race. It is a retrograde application of technology. It is designed to push people all the way back to the 1700s. While celebrating the moral authority of the 1960s, 
Yeah, this is going to go tremendously well. I pray he has a conversion, and failing a conversion, I pray he does not live long on the throne, if that's going to be the path that he takes. And I pray that Crown Prince William will show some better sanity than his Malthusian father. Maybe. We'll see. I would prefer the conversion of King Charles, a return to the faith, even if it is the Anglican faith. <clears throat> For my friends in America who are monarchists, do you understand what it takes to have a king? Do you truly understand what it takes to have a king? It begins with a with some semblance of a miracle, <clears throat> some heroic act vis-a-vis -vis King David. It begins with a strong man who puts it together, who is able to bring people together and defend a nation. Nation in the classical Latin sense of the word a people, a unified people, not this tossed salad that is America. One bloodline, one faith, one core set of beliefs, one set of principles. I really hate to say it, but if we're to have a monarch in America, it's going to start with a dictator vis-a-vis -vis Julius Caesar because of the nature of how our government is put together, which means we need somebody who's willing to be a tyrant long enough to set his family, long enough to build a throne and set his family upon it. And if you want a Christian monarch, you're going to need family, immediate successors, heirs to the throne, who are actually Christian. This doesn't spring up overnight. This is the sort of thing that takes 40 to 60 years to put into place. to truly establish, to phase from one form of government into the next. <clears throat> it's going to take a benevolent despot. Somebody who sees his role as uniting his people and doing what is best for them, which includes slowly eradicating democracy. Do we have somebody in the upper echelons who can do such a thing? Think about it. Look across. 
Look across the government. Look across the business world. Do we have somebody who could do that? I would argue that we do. Could do it. But I would also argue that they're not up to the task. That they don't believe in it enough. There is actually one family that could do it. That could start it. That would actually be somewhat beneficial. More so, should we get some of their progeny to actually convert and become solid Catholics. And the influence is there too. I'm not going to say the family's name. People would explode. But in America, there's one family that could do it. One. And if one of the sons of that family were to convert to Catholicism in a public way, and when I say in a public way, I'm not talking about, oh yeah, we're doing this, that, and the other, and it's, you know, um, just a show. I'm talking about, like, in the same way as Jair Bolsonaro or Matteo Salvini in Italy. It would take that kind of public where, where, you know, they lead a prayer during the rally of the Our Father. As was recently done with, I think, nearly a million people at a rally, at, at a rally with, hired, with uh, Jair Bolsonaro. As he led the people in the prayer of the Our Father. <clears throat> That's the exemplar that we have to start with. And yes, they're going to be fallible. They're still fallen people. But it's going to take that public commitment to the faith and the prestige of <clears throat> the prestige of being well known enough, the character of a fighter. I don't think it'll happen. Because while we in America have that one family, and it is one family that could do it, only one. I haven't seen anything close to a profession of faith. They always use that term, that Freemasonic term of Judeo-Christian values. They never say the one true faith. They never rely on the one book that gives them the left and right limits of what all of the actions of mankind should be. And believe it or not, I'm actually not talking about sacred scripture because so much of sacred scripture is written in parable. There is one book that is explicitly written. This is what a Catholic Christian looks like. This is what Christianity is. There's one book. In the same way that there's one family that could do the thing, there's one book that actually clearly delineates This is where it should be. These are the left and right limits of what a Christian should be. Probably would help if there was was another book specifically for monarchs. Oh, wait, I'm pretty sure there's one of them too. And I'm pretty sure it's written by a Catholic as well. It would take more than a miracle to establish a Catholic monarchy. And don't get me wrong, there are monarchists in America, and and I'm... Intellectually, I'm in support of them. We have significantly more in common than we have different. 
But the thing missing, and God love you, traditional Catholics, you're missing one important thing. This has to come from somewhere. This is not a thing that's going to happen where we manage to vote our way into a monarchy. That's not how that works. I mean, it might work that way. Who knows? <clears throat> God's worked in stranger ways. That's certainly sure. But we in America have no understanding of what it actually takes to build a monarchy. Because it looks very much like everything that we rejected in the 18th century. Violently rejected in the 18th century. So you're going to have to overcome that hereditary disposition in order to establish a monarchy in the United States. <clears throat> and to be blunt, particularly this federal government would never have it. It would actually have to... Honestly, we'd have to let this whole thing keep going in the direction that it's going and pray that at the right points we can manage to nudge everything in the right direction. This is going to be well after our fall as a nation, our fall as the current reigning empire. <clears throat> so to the monarchists in the United States, I would simply ask, where are we going to get our king? How do we get there from where we are right now? How do we get there past the social inertia of where we are right now? If you can answer that question, then you're more than just a LARP. As of right now, <clears throat> monarchists in the United States of America are a LARP. It's that simple. It is that simple. And I hate to be Debbie Downer on that. <clears throat> Truly, I do. But all of us out there, all of us out there are like, yes, we need a king. A good Catholic king. Because the vast majority of monarchists are very much Catholics. <clears throat> They're probably very much traditional Catholics. Orthodox Catholics, members of the Fraternal Society of St. Peter, the Society of St. Pius X, the Institute of Christ the King. <clears throat> very much, very likely, the same people who are from the Ecclesia Dei communities, set of Acontist communities, Society of St. Pius V, and others. The Old Romans. I think it's the Old Romans. I could be making a mistake on it. Don't quote me on that because I, I, lumping in the old Romans with, with Sedevacantus might be a mistake. I don't know. Truly, I don't know. <clears throat> but it's going to be the traditional Latin mass Catholics who are, try, who are, who are supporters, by and large, are going to be the supporters of the monarchist movement in the United States of America. And, I, and like I said, it's a LARP if you don't have a path forward. You want to achieve monarchy in America, you have to plot that path out. 
You have to be willing to take the risk at the things that our nation is instinctively averse to. To be a monarchist in America, you're going to have to be somewhat of an accelerationist. Oh, accelerationism is a sin. Here's the deal, monarchists. How do you get rid of a representative democracy that styles itself a constitutional republic? How do you get rid of that except to allow it to burn itself down and, and completely eradicate its credibility? If you're a monarchist, legit, let me be clear. If you're a monarch, if you're one of these monarchist LARPers in America, then you're failing to understand that in order to establish a monarchy, you must completely discredit the status quo. What does that take? What does it take to completely discredit the status quo? It means you have to allow the status quo to degenerate to the point where people are actually willing to listen to somebody coming out there saying, we need a king. You think you're going to get there without accelerationism? You're a moron. You're not, gonna, you're not getting there without accelerating the decline and fall of these United States to completely discredit the national government as it is. And you're going to have to toe that line with a bunch of communists and socialists who are looking to establish chairmen like Mao Zedong in the same throne room. From a practical standpoint, that's what you have to do. And you have to manage to toe that line and be the alternative to the communist and socialist psychopaths. And then you have to be willing to fight them, kill them, and win. And if you doubt me, look at history. You must be willing to fight them kill them, and win. Is that going to be a civil war? It's certainly going to be much more so. It's going to be significant. If, you're, if, you, if you want to fight to attain monarchy in, the Uni in these United States, you're not going to... We don't vote in kings. Even if you want... A monarchical republic, the kings that are going to elect the leader of the empire vis-a-vis -vis, and in after the after the path of Blessed Carl, those kings are going to have to fight for their crowns. They're going to have to fight and win, and this isn't political because, as I said. I want you to name one point in history when we just voted in a king. Name one point in history when the king did not seize power for himself and take it. Name one.
If you are not willing to do those things, then just admit that you're LARPing, that it's a nice fantasy to have. It's been driving me nuts. The number of people who fail to see what has to physically happen in the material world to make manifest these things that we wish to achieve, these things that we wish to have. We have a time, we, excuse me, we have an opportunity now in this time to stop the communist advance across the hearts and souls of millions of Americans with prayer. But failing that, eventually we're going to have to, we're going to, in addition to picking up our rosary in the morning before dawn, we're going to have to draw our swords at dawn and be willing to fight through the day and into the night. Ora et labora. Pray and work. So if you're not willing to do everything that you can to nudge the things in that direction, if you're not willing Look, we talk about the Cristeros, and everybody forgets that the Cristeros spread their message, not just with rosaries, but with guns and bullets. We talk about the Vendée, and we forget that the Vendée spread their message, not just with prayers, but with prayers and bullets. Spain did not reconquer Spain for Catholicism with just the rosary. We're not going out into missionary lands to baptize people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are going to reclaim previously baptized lands against a Moorish communist horde. You do not do that just by evangelism. People are forgetting where we're at in history. These were previously Christian lands. These were previously Catholic lands. They had already been catechized. You go out, you go out and you do the Franciscan monk thing and to be sure there is room in there for that. But you'd best not forget that San Juan Capistrano, the Capistrin, priest commander at the Battle of Belgrade, priest commander at the Battle of Belgrade, celebrated Holy Mass in the morning and held the banner of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at the front line of the battlefield through the day as his men fought sword, spear, arrow, and shield. Not metaphorically speaking. The whole of Christendom prayed the rosary 
for the success at the Battle of Lepanto, but the Battle of Lepanto was fought with ship and cannon. Under the banner of Our Lady. We're not going out into the wilderness, into, into the French wilderness, the new French wilderness in America, baptizing for the first time. That is not the situation. We are not in the situation of La Virgen de Guadalupe in Mexico. We are in the situation of La Virgen de Guadalupe in Lepanto. It is a different fight. <clears throat> and to be sure, it may very well be won mostly. Mostly. Perceivably. With rosaries. With prayer. With preaching the gospel. But you had better not forget that the men who fought and died for the papal states, the papal zwabs, are considered by the church martyrs who fought with rifle and bayonet. So to the monarchists of America, to the radtrads, the orthodox, faithful Catholics who see monarchy as the answer to this degeneracy. Because, And to be sure, I'm with you. I'm a Carlist. But if you are not willing to draw your sword, if you are not willing to fight this fight with both AR-15 and rosary, with both if you do not understand that this is a battlefield that will require both that it's going to require the one thing that in this country we do not go for which is the strong leader who would make himself king And if you do not understand the literal, material impossibility of that quest, the fight of brick, shield, sword, and gun, that that is, then you do not understand that you are just LARPing. I say this as a man who comes from a lineage of warriors, broken in only one generation. There's only one generation that failed, that I can tell in my, in my family's history, that failed to do its duty in the last 500 years. Descendant of the House of Bourbon. Cousin related by blood to the House of Habsburg.
combat vet from a lineage of combat veterans. And Orthodox Catholic. If you are not willing to fight this fight in the full spectrum that this is going to be required to be fought in, you are LARPing. And it's not to say that we have to fight the fight like that. God may never call us to fight the fight like that. But if you are not willing to fight like that, sit down and let better men do the business. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.